Right, we're rolling. On this podcast, we'll be talking about different areas of business and all things marketing. My name is Dave Doyle. And I'm Dave Alton. This is Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Welcome back to another episode of Social Antics, another marketing podcast. Week 14, Dave, how are you? Week 14. I'm looking forward to this week, actually. Another guest. Yeah. Another, we're talk- another, we're uh, talking to an actual guest as opposed to talking to you, so that's always a good thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Make sure we lean up to this. Leading up to this, all I was thinking about. No, I'm looking forward to today, no, So today we have Ray Kyo, who is a Dublin-based videographer and photographer, mainly known for his work in the music industry, but has done a serious amount of work in corporate and working with different corporate brands um, so it's, it'd be great to get Ray's uh, advice and insight into working with content creators yeah 100% like like um, again for me and I keep on saying it is that regardless of like your analytics and your, your targeting and all the rest of it your creative is still your differentiator mm-hmm. your creative is what's going to help you grab attention online in a world which is entirely driven by attention and we use content as a means of influencing consumers and consumers behavior and ultimately your creative is what is the most important thing now i think for for brand building and uh, look ray is an expert on it so uh, let's hear what he has to say based in dublin ray graduated with distinction from ireland's renowned ballyfermot college of further education where he studied television production going on to become one of ireland's best known photographers within the irish music scene ray has done shoots for groups such as mcd aiken westlife wild youth warner music universal music codeline and many more Covering all aspects in the video making process, Ray has worked professionally in corporate video production, such as with clients such as Primark, LinkedIn, Centra, Guinness, Boots, just to name a few. In relation to music, Ray's on shoots for some of the biggest names in the business, working with acts such as Westlife, The Script, Killswitch Engage, to name a few, within iconic venues such as Tree Arena, Croke Park, The Olympia, Live at the Marquee, and with festivals such as Longitude, Electric Picnic, Casapalooza, and more. Welcome to Social Antics, Ray. Great, thanks for having me along. No problem. How's things going? Uh, not too bad. Kind of quiet these days, but... I can imagine the music stuff has kind of gone very quiet. Obviously, there's nothing really happening. Yeah, I don't see that kind of coming back anytime soon. It's the first thing to go, and I'd say it's definitely going to be one of the last things to come back. So, Although I did see I did see something during the week on, was it Claire Byrne, uh, where they were looking at um, gigs in bubbles. Did you see that? Uh, basically, uh-huh. they were putting people into bubbles. Do you think that'll come about? I think that was the uh, flaming lips. I think they have that's a thing right. in their set where the, the guy always jumps out onto the crowd in the bubble. So that's I think that was just a kind of uh, kind of like a, a promo stunt for them to kind of promote them because they they did that as well near the start on I think it was Jimmy Fallon or something like that. Yeah, just yeah. Uh, joking about like social distance bubbles, but uh, yeah, I'd love to give it a go. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe we go back to the start. So I mentioned Bally Farmers. How what made you? possibly go down this route of media photography television what what made you go down that route uh before i went back to college i was working just doing jobs i was working with upc and all that and the thing with upc i was if you called up to report that the broadband or tv or something wasn't working i was the person that came out so i was all over the place driving but uh i always had a camera with me so this was before camera phones and that i'd always have a a digital camera or 
something with me. And whenever I'd be in different places, I'd just be taking photographs of everything and anything. And I'd just be throwing them up on social media. I think it was Bebo back in them days. Well, we mentioned, um, we mentioned Bebo last week. It's making a comeback. Yeah. <laughs> but all, all of our photos are gone, unfortunately. But uh, yeah, no, it's, um, I was always just taking photos. Everyone was just always commenting on it, saying that like, oh, you take a photo of anything. And the way I kind of just saw it was uh, how many conversations do you have with people back in them days when you'd say something and they'd be like, oh, if only I had a camera. Like I know these days everybody has them, but back in them days, nobody did have them. But I was always taking photographs and it was just a hobby that I just always loved doing. Kind of got really into taking photos of everything and anything. Uh, got my first DSLR then. I think it was around 2009 and uh, start getting a bit more into the hobby. And then with the way the recession happened, I ended up not being able to work for a while. So I just went back to college and just decided why not give this camera thing a go. So looked up a few different courses in New Valley Fair. It was a great media college. Saw that they had a TV production course. So I'd done so much photography over the years. I was starting to get into video. I just decided to give that course a go and just went from there. I think even I actually when you mentioned Ballyfermot there, I was explaining to Dave actually during the week um about Ballyfermot, like you know, he hadn't really heard too much about, it, but the the caliber I suppose that it's after producing over the years in terms of media, broadcast, journalism, TV, print, the whole lot, like it's it's a great hub, I suppose, for media in Ireland, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's really good. Like the I think the first thing that really came out of it that kind of got a name was a there was a guy that did animation. And after doing the animation course, he went on to work on a, a kind of well-known animated film called Avatar <laughs> and won an Oscar. And uh, won an Oscar from it. So yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, so through that, that kind of gave Bally Fairman a good name that one of its ex-students went on to, to win an Oscar. And then, uh, yeah, they have a good music scene. They've, like, when you go in, you don't just learn the theory of it. They have, like, amazing, like, the, the TV studio that I was working in was... Bigger than, like I've worked in TV studios since leaving college and it was bigger than some of the TV studios that I've, I've worked in since. So it was great equipment, great. Uh, the teachers actually did work in the industry and came in. So you're getting real life hands on kind of experience there. So it's not it's not just kind of I mean, I don't know if many lecturers in other places probably just read stuff and just give you text about what to do. And then you go out and learn it yourself. Just in there, it's it's very hands on. You get great experience. I think even if we look like we've talked a lot here about, um, you know, obviously with Dave coming from from UCC, you know, there's there's definitely a big difference, I suppose, in the practicality elements throughout those levels. Like, you know, you you probably wouldn't get that level of practical experience, would you? Um, well, we have well, like we have a film and screen media course in UCC specifically where you would learn the practicality, shall we say. But I suppose coming from my background, which is marketing, like you can't possibly in the space of a four years where you're covering like a commerce degree where you're covering accounting finance economics marketing pr right like you can't possibly then go into the depth of detail that you guys for example would have and i think that's like that's a good thing as well i would say because like what i would always say and it's it's how i kind of produce any of my consultancy work as well as that as a marketer, you probably have the, the kind of strategic outlook in terms of where something is meant to go, what it's going to do. So is it to do with brand building, brand recognition? And the theory comes into that then in terms of the various touch points that you're looking to hit. Um, but ultimately, you need to hand it over to a professional videographer to actually capture 
what you are theorizing in your mind, shall we say. Um, and I think the distinction there is very, very important. I think if you get, it's very, very rare and you'll get marketing people who also do video, but I would very rarely come across someone who's good at both. You kind of need to really understand that these are two very, very unique and separate skill sets. And therefore, when you are looking to create content, it's going through a professional like Ray to actually make sure that you do the work um, you do the work right. And ultimately, like I suppose if I could, if I could um if I could kind of theorize or kind of give a practical example about it, if I say that I want to communicate some sort of element of a brand's history or a brand's heritage, I might say that I want to communicate this and I think this is a good way to do that. Whereas it's someone like Ray who will say, I think this music is going to really help convey this particular messaging and meaning or having this particular shot here at this particular point during that music cycle will convey a certain meaning and a certain message. And it's that, that nuance of understanding in terms of not only understanding the practicalities of shooting a film, but understanding how an audience consumes media, which is where a skill set like Ray becomes absolutely imperative to, to a marketer's arsenal, I think. Um, and what way do you think, have you, have you had any thought maybe around the whole idea as Dave said about consumers consuming content basically? Has it changed? Have you found, since you were studying television to now creating maybe corporate uh, videos, do you think like that has changed how people's mindsets, attention spans, all that kind of stuff? Yeah, like it was, I think it was about seven years ago now when I finished up in college and uh, social media was like it was there, but the way it is now, it was kind of like at the, at the birth of that. So when I went out into, into working from college, I was just very lucky that straight away I got taken on by a corporate production company. And even though I was able to do the videos and I knew how to do the videos and I knew how to work with clients, working with them because they were working with such big clients like uh, Primark, Guinness, Citibank, all that, I got to see like your side of it, the, the branding and the marketing people coming in and they would say they want this and we'd know how to take their vision and work it into a video. So it was great getting that experience in, the, in that company. But through that, I got to work on some... Um, marketing campaigns like there was one that we did with uh, Centra and it was over time we were building stuff and we had to keep trying to innovate and innovate so we'd have to look at what was out there at the moment and try to not do the same but come up with something different so if other people see it they'll kind of go oh that's not like everything else I'm seeing I like that I'll start doing that and then that'll become the new norm so it's trying to keep ahead of everything but uh, when you look at it back then to how it is now because there's been years and years of that uh Instagram has become more of a marketing tool than a social media platform. Uh, other things are starting to come out now with TikTok. Video has become, like back then, most of these were all uh, photography platforms, but now video has been introduced into a lot of them. And it's just the difference of how it has been over the last seven years. It's really come along and progressed. And yeah, it's, it's very different now compared to how it was back then. I think we might go we might go more into that in a few minutes but i suppose when you mentioned there that you know you were definitely probably looking at the photo scene and doing photography stuff and then looking at the change into video when when did you kind of start looking at possibly i need to look more into video or was it always that way for you um or did you feel like look this is the way the industry is going i need to look at it more uh well kind of from from the time that I went up to college, I had just done photography as a hobby and then I started getting into video before going to college. So when I came out, 
of college, I kind of had the, the two things, but I kind of went straight into a video production company. So I went into it from that side. So I was able to do uh, the corporate photography if it was needed, but I was mainly doing video. Um, I think like at the start, a lot of people were doing photos, video wasn't too popular, but then just as time went by, I think it was more so when like Instagram was purely photos in the beginning, then they started bringing out, I think it was only 15 second video that you could yeah. do at the start. That was, that was what, that was probably about six, seven years ago or something like that. I suppose, yeah, it's maybe the last three, three years, maybe that the whole, was it a minute on Instagram now was only like, it's not, it's not massively. Well, old, yeah. Re- recently it's up to a minute, but when it first came out, it was only 15 That's right. Yeah, it was 15 seconds first. Yeah. But uh, like, even to be honest with you at that time, because I was so into, into uh, Instagram as a photography app, I actually thought at the start the video won't work not on this app video probably won't really work on instagram because it's it's so heavily a photography app mm-hmm. so i i downloaded instagram around the time that it first came out and it was just all photographers just posting up random photos then it started becoming a thing where people would start putting up quotes and it kind of went from a photography app to people just putting up photos of their food photos of quotes and it start kind of like building from there so i kind of saw instagram from the very very start up and then i i thought the video wouldn't have worked then after a while video really started to take over on instagram and i think that's why when they saw how popular it was because they only did 15 seconds i'd say just to kind of test it and then saw how popular it became decided to make it a minute and that's i think that's when the video started to really hit companies that like oh we can actually do a lot more with video than photos and you mentioned there about working, you know, at the time working with kind of corporate clients and, you know, working with some, you know, brand and marketing people in those companies. Be honest now, we won't be insulted, but what was it like working with the branding and the marketing guys in the companies as, as a pure creative head working with someone that's a bit more probably strategic, less creative, more strategy? How do you find working with, with, with people like that? Uh, when I first got into the kind of higher end of the corporate world, it was a little bit hard for me because I, I was kind of going into it with the impression that they would come to you and say, you're the creative. We have this idea. You make it work for us. And we'd come up with all the ideas and we'd do the edits and everything. And then it would go back to the company. And then all of a sudden it would be, don't like this, don't like this, don't like this, don't like this. <laughs> and it was, and it's at, as a creative, like for young people that are starting out in the corporate world, early on, just try to realize that it's not all about you and your creativeness. The client does have input as well, even though they're paying you for your create creativity, they have an input and they have a vision as well. And you have to try and make their vision work. So in the beginning, I was always kind of going in with it that, uh, well, they're, they're the marketing people. So they deal with the marketing. We'll deal with, deal with the videos and we're right. But then after a while, it kind of takes a while. It takes a while to kind of realize that, uh, yeah, you have to kind of like work with the people. And you have to try and make their vision come true. I think there's kind of, yeah, I think that there's a balancing act there, right? Because I've come across, so you come across loads of people. I've worked with marketing people that have this vision in their head that they don't really understand. It's kind of a muddled idea of what the creative is meant to look like. And therefore they try and pigeonhole the creative director or the, or the videographer into doing exactly what they want when they don't really understand how it's going to be consumed, shall we say, because they're so dogmatic in terms of what their, what their overall idea is. And I get, look, 
there are certain things that we as marketers need to be able to get across. So if your content is for, so all content has an objective, right? It's either for building brand awareness, uh, creating a certain messaging or meaning behind the brand. Some content is entirely for customer acquisition. Some of it is for retargeting and re-engaging customers. So all of that stuff, I have no problem with being in the kind of the mind's eye of the marketer, but I like, I've come across, and again, on both sides of the kind of the same coin, my philosophy is very much let the creative guys do what they need to do because they're the experts at this stuff. And unless they're a million miles off, then fine, you can rein them back a bit. Whereas I kind of find that there's a real sense of a kind of a law diminishing marginal returns when you have so many people inputting into a piece of content. Everyone wants their little bit. And at the end of it, you end up something which is entirely unsynchronized doesn't make sense isn't immersive and even though I kind of take the point that you're saying in terms of yeah you need to work with the client there is a lot of sort of them there is a lot to be said for having a singular or a small team's vision being brought to life based on a particular brief whereas I think the more people that you get involved it can kind of it can kind of contaminate things a lot that's what I find anyway and again I've worked with marketing teams who are just an absolute catastrophe in terms of oh we want this or we want this or could this little thing be different and you're kind of going you're you're ruining it you're you're taking a vision and you're you're bastardizing it basically based on what your original idea is rather than letting something kind of organically evolve into a really really good piece of content yeah i've, I've kind of seen that like with different companies especially if you're working with like really really big like global companies where they have like layers of people you're dealing with the person that has been asked to get a videographer and he's dealing with you and he gives you the idea and you go through everything and then you could be talking for ages and then you can go out and then start working on the video and then after the video comes out you do the edits and send it off to him they'll be back and forth and then it'll be all good from him then he'll say right i'm going to send it to the people ahead and see what their opinion is and then that might go to them and then they might have to give it to their boss and then by the time it comes back it's like right we have a list of things that have to be changed and like that if you're dealing with the one person you guys have been working on a vision everyone else has an idea left it to him to work with you but then when you go back they all have to give their input and then it just totally changes so that's something that you as a videographer you kind of have to be aware of that uh, depending on the company sometimes you might be just working with one person and it's their say is final other times you could be working with that that it could go off to a, an entire marketing team and they all start picking it apart and then you have to go back and start making changes that probably weren't discussed pre-shooting so yeah it it can kind of change things depending on how many people i i think it is better if if you are going to approach a videographer or content creator or something to try and keep it down to like as little amount of people giving input as possible give all the input at the start and then just leave it to the one person and i think sometimes it has a better result than when it's picked apart it it just kind of falls apart then yeah i remember a number of them um, a number of years ago we came up with this i won't i won't mention the brand but the um the the so they still um they still give me a little bit of work today actually so i'm gonna leave them off so so like the but the whole idea was that like and again it, look we can get into the debate in a while but the difference between long form and short form content and stuff like that and the kind of vision that I suppose myself and the videographer had at the time was a long form piece of content like it was an actual story it was something that 
and we kind of always say it if the content needs to be thumb stoppable but then it needs to be immersive enough to keep someone engaged shall we say and that's what we were going for and the it went to the the ceo of this of this particular company and um and he basically came back and he said oh yeah yeah but if you look at all of these ads they're 30 seconds long he was basically applying the old television ad logic to what we were trying to do which completely ruined the concept so eventually you just had a by basically a bunch of nice shots with kind of happy-go-lucky background music but in terms of actually achieving anything it did absolutely nothing everyone kind of patted themselves on the back afterwards and said oh isn't this a brilliant piece of content without actually going back to well no the objective of this was to achieve this and you just completely cannibalize this and people aren't going to watch it anyway because it's only 30 seconds and it doesn't actually it doesn't communicate anything or it doesn't do anything so like bearing that in mind how for a, for a young videographer starting off or even for a marketer who's going to be dealing with a videographer what would you say is the important kind of initial steps or, or how authoritative should a videographer be when they're in the kind of the room with the marketing people when they have to say lads no offense but i got this not probably in those kind of condescending terms but that kind of a that kind of messaging needs to come across quite strong i think sometimes yeah i think from my experience it kind of depends on the company and the project sometimes you can tell that they have a loose idea and they're just looking for an end product and are kind of like leaving a good bit in your control. So you have the, the authority to kind of say, right, look, um, I can see your vision and I think we do this, 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 and this, and they'll give some input and then you're able to discuss it. But then other times, like we were saying earlier, sometimes you can be in and they've discussed a lot beforehand and they already know what they want and they're bringing you in just to make their vision come true. So at times, just depending on who it is that you're working with, sometimes you can give a lot more feedback than with other times. I think it's important to say, we probably haven't mentioned it yet, but the three of us have actually worked on a lot of uh, campaigns and projects together and, and creating content. And I think, as you were saying there, I think it's very, very important when it comes to the stage of, like me and you, Dave, would sit in a room and we'd say, look, we want to create a bit of content. We want to get this out of it. We hope it'll do this. Um, we'll see. We'll, we'll come back a month after and see if it actually did it. But basically the whole idea of is we will come up with the basics of it, maybe the a little bit of the narrative, the feeling. And then there's nothing that can be said, you know, to having someone like Ray come in and offer that top level creativeness, you know, and just take your video to another level. Oh, 100%. No, like, I mean, you can have, and again, look, from a marketing perspective, you look at, okay, what's the objective of what we're doing as it filters into our overall strategy, the boring mechanical stuff. Then you'll go into the, okay, well, what if we're going to talk about kind of things like consumer psychology, what do we know about the mindset of these particular consumers? What do we want to achieve in terms of some sort of change in behavior, whatever the case may be? And then you come up with, okay, well, from our perspective, this is what we think is going to resonate with the consumer. This is what we think will be impactful. But for me, the ultimate delivery of that will fall on the videographer. You can kind of contribute in certain ways because you obviously know your customer more than the videographer is going to. But in terms of that creative execution, I'm very much a, I like to stand off when it comes to the creative process afterwards. Um, as long as you present your top line again, this is what we're looking to target. This is the mood that we want. This is the feeling that we want. This is who it's going to resonate with. And um, obviously you've got your different content forms. So we're going to chop it up in these variety of different ways, vertical, horizontal, YouTube, whatever the case may be. But ultimately for me, as long as they don't go completely off the walls entirely, 
you're kind of happy to work with the, or to let the videographer kind of do what they want to do. And I think that's why a lot of people, and I think you would as well, like I would have a few videographers, a few graphic designers who I would constantly work with because I know that they will pick up what I am trying to communicate and then they are best placed to deliver that back in terms of the in terms of what I want for the for the client. Yeah, you see, like uh, the more you'd kind of work with clients, you'd kind of get to know their branding and that mm. they're coming to you with a specific kind of idea that has to fit their image, their colors, their vibe with the music. Like, but I think I think yeah. what you were probably saying there, which was what I was going to come in and say as well. The, I would slightly disagree with you, Dave, when you say, you know, totally stand away, not totally stand away, but, you know, stand back and let the biographer do it. But I suppose I've worked with you, Ray, so many times now, you know, and, and you know, we haven't mentioned, but like, you know, the Christmas videos when I worked with O'Flynn's by massage company, you you done those videos with me, but I didn't stand back totally. Like, you know, we spent long, painful days walking around Cork shooting those videos. It was know? even more painful because you were involved. That was it, yeah. 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 I'm listening to them now saying I wish they all effect off and left me alone. But, um, but as you said there, like, you know, getting to know someone's style and branding and getting to, you know, you would know probably what I'm thinking and I would know how you're going to roughly shoot something, you know, so we kind of bounce well off each other. And I think that's very important. It's not, you know, and a lot of um, businesses nowadays, you know, obviously, look, you know, small businesses or, or even big businesses, you know, they have budgets to work with and some of them wouldn't have big budgets, some, you know, some of them wouldn't have any budget. So they're trying to get every penny's worth, like, you know, so I think it's, it's very, it's a big investment to make, you know, and you want to get the right thing out of it. But I think, you know, you definitely have to work with someone like you to, to produce something good, you know, and, and it will come good in the end, as long as you put the work in. But I think, like, just to go back to what you were saying, like, I find this incredible the differentiation and budgets between brands yet the lack of differentiation in terms of the actual end product mm. like yeah. i've seen like i've seen content that you've produced ray for example for x amount of money but that's a good that's a point that was made a few yeah. times to us we'll say once once um, the piece of content actually is like it's netflix quality yeah. whereas then you've got guys paying cinema houses almost 10 or 20 30 40 50 x what Just you would possibly charge and the differentiation it's very, very slim, do you know what I mean, between the two, which I think is just an interesting thing. Like, as look, as things become commodified, cameras get better, cameras get smaller. Um, ultimately, it comes there. It's more and more about the skills of the artist, shall we say, or the person behind the camera, as opposed to the equipment itself. And I think that's opened up a huge opportunity for brands who would be typically considered local or SMEs to compete with some of the big boys in terms of content creation, because... The, the people are out there that will deliver this content for them regardless of what their budget I is i think we both kind of mentioned there about having a relationship with someone like yourself ray you know that you can call yeah. on for you know keeping consistent with you know there's there's a whole level there of keeping consistency within your branding your style your content you know you're not just racing to the bottom and getting someone different every time just because they happen to be the cheapest on that tuesday that you've done the phone calls around but do you feel, you know, coming from your side of things that, as Dave mentioned there about having, you know, competing with, with, you know, video houses and agencies and all this kind of stuff. Do you feel we've, we've, we've done a podcast on it before about, you know, whether you should go to an agency or not and um, more so down the marketing route, but do you feel that a, a video production house that has the word agency or whatever it is after it, do you feel that they can be sometimes I suppose, not justified, but, you know, straight away, the budget is shot up or, or sorry, the cost is shot up. Like, you know, but, you're, as Dave said, you're going to be getting the same video. Do you do you find it hard to, to compete with that? No, I think it's just like 
different companies are going to have the different budgets. They're going to have a different uh, idea of an end product. So some of them are going to see the likes of a John Lewis ad and they have such huge productions because the video that they want is going to have to be shot in a massive stage. It's going to have to be like X amount of crew. The yeah. budget's going to have to be broken down between loads of people. It's just, it's a huge production. They need high-end cameras to get a high, certain amount of quality. So they're going, they're going to go to a production house because they're going to have the team and the access to be able to do that. Where the likes of somebody like me, if you came to me and I had all the connections, you could come to me with the same budget as a, as kind of like a self-employed person as like not in a big production company. Yeah. If I had the contacts, I'd be able to go out and do that. So you could come to me with a small budget and I'd be able to wrangle up the team or a small budget and I could do the thing by myself or come to me with a big budget and I'd be able to get the outsource, same kind of outsourcing get outsource the other freelancers in yeah yeah so it, it kind of depends like if um if you're experienced enough as a as a one-man band kind of thing to be able to get a crew and all that you could take on those really high-end budgets and make it work but if you haven't got that experience of working on uh big sound stages and working with a big team and you're just used to like working with just you and a second cameraman or you and a sound guy just working with the SLRs because you haven't worked with the big high-end cameras it can be like you're you're probably not going to get their massive budgets you have to kind of build up over time so the depending on the company that's looking for the uh, the videographer they're either going to be looking for somebody that's able to do the high-end budget stuff or the low budget stuff so similar to us in terms of having the specific content creators to go to you would have your motion graphics guy or whatever it is you know you'd have your sound guy to go to. you'd have probably have those in your head that you've worked with before would you uh well the thing with me like i i over the years i've just always had an interest in the media side so i've i've learned how to use after effects i've learned how to use photoshop i've learned how to use all that so to an extent i can do an awful lot myself so i can nearly produce something that a small production company would be able to work at uh he's, just he's by a, myself he's a salesman but, as well he's well of the picture there wasn't <laughs> yeah, he yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but now like I, I i'm able to do it all with one person so yeah. i can produce something a little higher quality done that's uh, somebody for... that's that only knows how to use camera and has to get a if someone to do effects and somebody to do whatever afterwards you might have to be looking for a bit of a bigger budget to outsource that to other people but uh but that's great for a business to be able to work with you then because you're able to offer a bit more or you might listen to them, you know, they might come in and say, look, we want a 30 second ad done for, you know, our social ads, you know, Facebook ads or whatever it is. But you might turn around and say, you know what, did you ever think about this? Did you ever try about using animation or graphics or whatever? You know, it's great to be great to be able to offer that. The question I suppose I have the next to follow on that would be. Obviously, you know, you're working with a lot of local businesses, you know, you've done stuff here in Cork, obviously in Dublin, all around the country. If someone like you know someone like us now you know working in a company that want to get some content done if we approached you what kind of things should we really think because we would have a lot of people listening here that are either own or, or marketing or involved in, in smes and local businesses around the country uh, and, and and abroad and abroad <laughs> our mexican viewers but um we we would have a lot of people so if they come to listen to you or they come to chat to you what do you think they should have taught out or have on paper or you know really discuss before they approach someone someone like you or any or any content creator really um see that it again it just kind of depends on the levels uh some people might be coming to you to do everything for them and some might be coming to you to 
bring the vision alive. So it's just it's the more that you can kind of come to the person with an understanding of what they have to do. Yeah, uh, it's it's just better in that way. So basically, knowing, knowing what you what you do at the end of the day, I suppose we've we've had that with marketing, I suppose as well, where people don't know what marketing means. You know, they get a, a person in for the in the marketing team, and it, it doesn't end up. Oh, you still no, you still like mar- marketing. To me, falls into the realm, but it's not accounting. It's not really supply chain. It's not IT or it must be marketing. <laughs> do you know what I mean? It kind of falls in. They sit over the, there. <laughs> it falls, it falls between the cracks. Yeah, exactly. And like Ray, just in terms well, of the when you're sitting down with a client what's the kind of and i know it probably varies client to client but i suppose what would be the the key things that you would look for from a client when you're looking to create a when you're looking to create a piece of content particularly for a kind of a marketing or call it we don't really call it we call it advertising these days advertising is a dirty word but like what do you kind of what do you look for specifically from them that without that kind of thing you're kind of like i don't really know what they want here it's kind of a shot in the dark are there certain specific things that you absolutely need for a client and that a client should be coming to you with if you're going to deliver the max quality content possible? Uh, well, usually when, usually when some clients come to me, the first question is, how much do you charge to make a video? Yeah, yeah, and that's yeah. like, how long is a piece of string? Do you want... I'd say the general answer you, is you, probably you, add another two zeros on that, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> no, uh, like the thing is, uh, people... People will come to you asking, how much does it cost to make a video? There's so many different types of videos. There's so many different types of things that are involved in producing different types of videos. So if somebody comes to you just straight up going, how much does it cost to make a video? I never give an answer because there's always the questions of, well, do we need actors? Do we need to shoot on your location in the company that you're in? Do we need to hire a soundstage? They're going to be totally different. If we can shoot at your location, there's no really uh location fees if we have to hire somewhere that's going to be whatever so if you have an idea of what you want and a rough idea of the budget and what you kind of need then that can kind of help because straight up i'd be saying that type of thing so do we need actors yes or no okay is there people in your company that can do the pieces to cameras or do we need to get somebody else can we shoot in your location or are we shooting it's somewhere else and whatever. So there's loads of different factors. So the more people can, or the more that they can come to you with uh, what they want as a final product, the better. It's easier to kind of just come up with a budget idea and a price and everything and kind of work from there. And like, sometimes. Sorry, yeah. And uh, with the, like, with the corporate work that you would, that you would do, I suppose, like, are there many projects that people come to you with and you're just like, this is the worst idea I've ever heard. It's a talking heads video. It's all the old corporate videos that you see constantly. Yeah. Like how many times do people go, oh, we want something like this. And you're kind of like, yeah, this is not going to work. Like I can do it for you. The film will be very, very high quality. But in terms of what you want to achieve, this is not going to achieve it because it's just boring. Instead, you should look at doing something a lot more exciting. And I suppose when, particularly with corporate clients, the, the pharmaceutical companies, the telecommunications companies, a lot of them kind of want to play it safe because there's an element of deniability there. But at the same time, we're now living in an attention economy, right? Whereas if you don't have something which is going to grab someone's attention, hold their attention and resonate with them enough to actually have an impact upon their decision-making process as a consumer, be it B2B or B2C, then ultimately, no matter how what high quality you produce from a f- videography perspective, ultimately it's not going to work like like how 
like is like is, uh, the onus isn't really on you to do that it's probably on the onus of the marketer to do that but how often do you kind of say uh, i don't think this is a good idea because it's just boring uh since i've kind of gone out freelance uh i used to work with a, a production company and since i've gone out freelance i've kind of gotten lucky that anybody that i've uh, dealt with i've kind of discussed stuff with them and i haven't really come across that as much uh when i used to work with the other place and they'd be dealing with whatever and then send me out and shoots i would kind of come across this these things and kind of look i'd be like right when they were having these discussions they either didn't talk about this or something they should have done this that would make it much better and i have been in them positions where i'd be on shoots and i'd be like this could be so much better but i'm the videographer on this there was a director and thing so it's up to them i've seen that from that side i'm just kind of lucky that i went through them experiences that when i do go out on my own i have that previous experience that i'm able to discuss it straight up with the people and say well this is the final project you want i think we should do this 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 and this and I've just kind of been lucky that it, it has been people that have agreed. I haven't had too many people because if you look at a lot of my stuff, I do a lot of creative stuff. So I think when people come to me, they know that there's going to be. A, That's your I, style. I, yeah, yeah I, I I don't have too many. I don't really have like the flat born white background that is the plain safe. So I don't think I get too many people coming to me looking to play safe videos. The real corporate videos. Yeah. yeah so, I think so when you're talking there about content to following up from that, then the. We talked a little bit about the the change, I suppose, in structure and, and, you know, the real push, I suppose, like it's gone, you know, you read some blogs and they'll tell you it's all short form, keep it 10 seconds, 15 seconds, you know, and then you read others and it's like, you know, oh, there's that sweet spot once you get over the, the two minutes, you know, if you can keep people for two to two fifteen, you know, videos. these I kind of things, <laughs> there's such, Fuck, there's like... such a, a mixed message when it comes to long form, short form, you know, and then throw in the mix. Now we have everything of, or oh, used to be, you know, landscape. Now it has to be portrait. It has to be square. It has to be, you know, there's such um, a change. And I suppose that's because probably, you know, you would know it, Ray, you know, the, 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 all the, the socials are trying to compete off each other by having something different, you know? So they're all, did you notice a big, like where, where's, where do you stand when it comes to short form and long, long form content? Again, I just bring it back down to what is the project? Sometimes you'll get people coming to you saying, oh, we just have this little small thing that we need to do. And I'd say, right, if it's only going to be something that's only going to survive for about a week, let's do something quick because you're competing with people just scrolling, scrolling, scrolling. You want something that's going to be attention grabbing at the start. People are probably not going to pay attention to this because it's not a, a massive project. So 30 seconds for this would be fine. And then this is that and it's done. And after a week after it goes up, it's probably going to die after a couple of days and gone. But if it's a big, massive campaign, I'd kind of look at that going a bit more into do some short form stuff to grab people's attention, to throw it to a long form video that explains a bit more into the whole project. So if it's something that's going to be like a month long project with a few things, mm -hmm. I think a bit that's where I think the, the long form might come in a bit better. Or if you're kind of like promoting something that's going to be a bigger thing down the line, that's mm -hmm. where it might come in. It's interesting now when you're saying, you know, and, and you've already mentioned the word, um, you know, we hear a lot of marketing, but the whole thumb stopping thing, you know, it has yeah, to be yeah. attention grabbing. It's actually funny when you think about it. So you might put like, you know, we've done it. We've done two minute long form storytelling videos. We put all this work into the video, but what are we relying on to, to at the end of the day, really, what are we relying, relying on um, to grab people's attention is a thumbnail picture. Do you know? So like, it's funny, you, kind of, you put all that work into the video, but you know, you still need a good 
image graphic, whether it's a screen grab from the from the footage or you know you create something to go with it. But like that's so important, and that's probably something that a lot of people don't um don't deliver on on the end you know they put all the work into the video and they just throw it up hoping for the best that's ultimately that was a marketer all right yeah. like i mean like if you take so when you're mapping out a campaign the first thing you want to do is look at the customer journey yeah right so if you take exactly what you said there Ray, right we're going to have our long form video which is going to be hosted on um hosted on youtube as a means of getting people to that video we're going to have a a 10 second or five second vertical video on instagram swipe up go view whatever um, then after someone lands on your website, you're going to retarget them a week later with similar type of content, but maybe it's more sales focused based on the product that you're looking to. Sh- so I think that, and again, that's where that kind of the, the marketer working with the videographer, or the graphic designer for me becomes absolutely critical because the messaging is all part of the same campaign, but the messaging changes depending on what stage the customer is at in relation to their overall journey. And again, having that person that can weave that overall kind of narrative through all the different types of content, vertical, square, two minute versus 20 minutes versus whatever the case, maybe audio um, clubhouse, all this kind of stuff that you need to weave into, into one kind of consistent narrative. And that's why I think, again, working with, working with a small team who get the overall kind of brief, but at the same time, understand how the, people and social media work. Correct, basically. exactly, yeah. Because yeah, again, like the amount of like Ray, you you know more about this than than I. But the amount of people that kind of go in and go, well, I want a two minute video, or I want a ten minute video, and that's it, and just <laughs> deliver that. And there's no thought in terms of well, how are they actually going to get to watch your ten minute video? Like, what's the do you know what I mean? So I think having that strategic approach to things is so 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 critically important. Yeah, like I think it's like I've often had people come to me and they'd say, I want like a two minute video or a three minute video. And I'd kind of discuss with them like, okay, so what exactly is it that we're doing and whatever? So you'd kind of see what the end goal was. And if it is something that is, okay, we do need about two to three minutes because we need to fit in a good bit to let the people see what it is you're actually selling. Uh, Sometimes people will like what you said, David, that you'd do a video like that and then just have a thumbnail and then on the day throw it up and hope that people click on that long thing uh, that long video just from a single thumbnail the amount of times that i'd have to talk to people and say look if you're doing this people are scrolling 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 if it doesn't grab their attention you've done all this for nothing do you have a week's build-up to this long form video do you have a 10 second thing saying this video coming on friday posted on the monday something else on the tuesday on the wednesday on the thursday and then you drop the long form video so people know that it's coming. And then when it does come, they'll sit down and watch it. Where if you just throw up a long form video on the Friday without warning, people are going to scroll and see 10 second video, 30 second video, 10 second video, three, five minute long. Nah, I'm skipping past that. And it just won't grab people's attention. If you're doing something that long on a fast paced social media platform, you need to have some kind of a heads up to people that this is worth watching. As opposed to like, if you just drop it on that day, something that morning, and then drop it that evening, it's kind of going to get lost. So, yeah, I think it, it does kind of depend on the team to be able to have that idea of we do have the long form video, but we need to have a, a bit of a build up to it as well. No, it's a great point. And how like like one of the things that I think marketers in particular are, are kind of struggling with at the moment is obviously there's a huge like you mentioned there in terms of the evolution from Instagram being for photographers to kind of amateur photographers as phones evolved and stuff like that. 
and now you've got TikTok, which is just to my mind in terms of like amateur creators is like one of the most impressive things that I've seen in years and years in terms of a kind of a, a content creation whole world. Dave, Dave loves it for the dancing. It's um, brilliant. There's nothing wrong with that. It's absolutely super. It cheers me up in the morning. Um, but Do you have the, your own dancing video, yeah? Give your own dancing page. Yeah, well, I've, only we, on, I've only got it on private. I only watch tro- it myself. Tro- throw the link in the description. I'll, I'll, I'll have a check. <laughs> but when someone is coming up with a kind of a campaign, how involved are you then in terms of differentiating within that case, that campaign what content should be user generated and how we're going to get that content to be generated by the user versus what content is best to be kind of more professional or do, do you get involved in that process at all or what would you say is the advice that you would give to kind of marketing teams or kind of creative directors in that regard because the two are the two are they're different they're different sides of the same coin but they should work synchronously with each other if, if done correctly um yeah again i just go back to depends on how big the team is if it's a small enough company that i'm working with they might have an idea of they've seen the bigger teams pull out this campaign they'd see it and go i kind of want to do this can you make this happen for my company and i'd have to discuss with them about what has to be done in, the, in them ways but then if i am working with the bigger teams like i said they would already have that pre-planned and i wouldn't have as much input in it because they'd be a bigger company and they'd have more say on they'd be a lot stricter on their brand guidelines and everything so i wouldn't have an, an awful lot of input to say let's do this because it might be totally off brand for them it just it, it kind of depends on the team to kind of if it's a high end or a kind of like lower smaller and business that you're working with. That makes sense. We we would have a lot of um, you know, we already mentioned we'd have a lot of kind of small local businesses uh, listening to us, you know, and, and obviously look with everything as we already mentioned with your own industry, you know, a lot of industries are kind of gone out the window and non-existent and waiting mm-hmm. for an end, an end date. But we we've talked about it here where a lot of businesses now are literally just they may as well just put a closed sign on their social media they just stop using it you know um they think there's no point uh because the business is closed but a lot of them then have kind of grabbed it and gone with it and they're either doing you know explainer videos they're doing how-to videos they're doing a lot of stuff basically in the background and obviously they can't you know get videographers in to do some work for them or you know obviously with restrictions and stuff like that is there anything that you would advise to maybe businesses that are doing their own videos, you know, with the phones or they might have a camera set up or whatever it is, but is there any kind of advice, you know, on what businesses might, sh- should look at, you know, what, um, do you know what, what way to shoot videos? Is, is there any bits of advice that, you know, you can get people to think about maybe? Yeah. Well, I'd say if you are going to start doing stuff yourself, if you're not able to get a videographer in and you're doing stuff with the phones, I'd say first off, just kind of look at, similar companies to yours on instagram and kind of mm. see what they're doing and try to try to apply that to what what your company is what do you call uh, it Dave? read and duplicate r and d i'd say like if you, if you don't really have the experience and you can't get somebody in i'd say go with that because uh it's probably going to relate and it at least you know you won't be making too many mistakes because you'll be doing something similar uh just be careful that like um if you are going to be throwing stuff up onto stories that you do like the everybody's talking about portrait these days where in video world portrait years ago was never spoken about and yeah it was always kind of like a never shooting portrait landscape is the way but with the 
with stories over the last few years and then even on Instagram it went from the square video to landscape but now people have started going portrait just because people are looking at their phones in portrait mode all the time it's it's better to nearly so really, do think, some stuff. really think about the social you're putting up on when you're shooting do you yeah. do you find yourself having to shoot stuff twice nearly or can you work it in the way you shoot it once to cut it to, to portrait or whatever do you find yourself shooting you know someone tells you look there's some stuff's going to go on stories some stuff's going to go on youtube do you feel like you have to specifically shoot content based for those platforms um it would depend on the type of video if it was kind of like um if it was the likes of the things that we did with uh O'Flynn's the the Christmas videos they were more kind of like cinematic mm -hmm. so they had to be landscape there's no way you could kind of shoot that portrait and if you were to throw it up on the stories it wouldn't really work too well so what I've started doing with the stories if I can't do a proper portrait video is uh come up with a kind of a portrait template where you do see the video landscape in the middle and then have some branding top and bottom so it still is filling the portrait uh mm. space for like stories but it's uh it's still kind of like keeping on brand and you're not left with a lot of empty space but if it's not something that's kind of like that that's if it's something like it's a highlight uh highlight video of an event or something you can kind of play around with the shots and get the landscape thing into portrait and kind of like reframe it and move it around so uh it depends on the project like that if it is a a highlight video of an event you don't get a chance to shoot things more than once so you kind of have to get a bit creative with if they do want the portrait uh, version as well um so yeah if you're if you're doing stuff that's kind of like a product videos like um when we were doing the, the things with the um the different gourmet sausages that we're doing we were able to shoot that a few different times so you'd get a few different angles and you'd be able to do the video that's Okay, yeah, for we were square doing, we were for landscape, and then we can do other ones that can kind we were of. We're doing recipe videos, so yeah, it was just kind yeah. of you know tailoring it then to the to kind of keeping it very broad and very you know I suppose a lot of empty space that you could, you could probably play around with you know to cut things and chop things and you know yeah. I suppose that's something that you had you do definitely do when we've yeah like if it's if it's something that you're going to do that's like that we were able to control we could shoot and shoot and shoot and shoot again beforehand you'd kind of discuss and say what is the end product of this? Is it just going to be landscape for the feed or is it going to go from the stories? Do you want whatever? If you do know ahead of time that it's going to go to stories, you would shoot them different shots just to kind of, because even if it's landscape and you do scale it for a portrait, you could be cutting out a lot of important information either side. Yeah. So you'd have to shoot it properly to get the, the right shot. So yeah, it, it kind of depends on the project. If you're, like I said, if you're just covering an event, you only get the one shot to do things. So. You have to be creative if you can actually control the shots beforehand you find out you shoot for them shots then one thing that i'm particularly interested in and i, I wouldn't profess to know a huge amount about it i, I tried to do a bit of research on it because uh, i just find it very very interesting but one of the last things that i think a lot of marketers think about when they're looking to create a bit of um, content is um the music and how the music is all about mood management and um, resonates with the consumer and um, kind of sets the tone and you can use different kind of techniques and stuff there which i'm kind of which i'm kind of interested in can you just talk through some of the even at an abstract level kind of even some of the techniques and stuff like that that you would use that when you're at kind of idea generation stage you go yeah okay i'm going to shoot it in this way but this music or this style of music is going to be so important here because i'm looking to hit this particular tone or this particular mood or something like that yeah it's, 
again, every project is different. Sometimes somebody will come to you with music ahead of time. So you're able to listen to the music before you actually shoot the video. When you have an idea of how to, you, you'd probably know that it's going to be a minute long video. You've been given a three minute long piece of music. So you have to kind of cut that down so it, it flows and fits in the minute. You have that beforehand and you're able to tinker the shots and be able to think, well, there's a, a fast drum roll here. So if I get a couple of really fast shots that aren't really, really important, but they're visuals that you need, like if you had the music beforehand, you can actually work the video to properly cut to the music. Uh, sometimes you'll go in and you'll just shoot a lot of stuff and then they're like, right, cool, we need music for this. So you then have to try and think, right, what kind of feel are we looking for the video? Is it is a fast, upbeat tempo that they're kind of looking for? Is it kind of slow melodic? And then you have to start looking through galleries and galleries and galleries of music which can take a long time to find the right bit of music and then try and make it apply to the video. I think it's even, we, we talked about it here last week in, in preparation of you coming up, we were talking about Super Bowl week. And, you know, the projects that we've mainly worked on together would have been Christmas videos. So, you know, it's definitely a mood to be set. You know, you're trying to, to get people really captivated, you know, um, as we, we talked about here, you know, hopefully shed a tear. You know, that's kind of your aim <laughs> for Christmas. Whereas then Super Bowl last week, a total different style of ad it's it's much more down the the comedic route and you know it's fast-paced and it's more about the the um the speech uh that's going on more so you know the videos we would have had would have had no audio from actors or anything like that it would have been all around the music and the shot so it's a total different style so like do you do you think music plays a big part in that one or is it more about what's going on on screen in terms of you know watching and video and audio more so than the music I'll change. I suppose it, it oh, well, no, it, it, it kind of depends on the uh, the company. Some of them are going to be products and some of them are going to have like different services and some might just have, they might just want to have this big flashy ad that has no actors in it. It's just showing products and everything. So there might be a lot of, uh, the music might really matter because they want to have specific shots where the image is hitting on the screen or whatever. Mm. And they'll have the music that like really, emphasizes the shots of the of the clip and then some of them might be actors playing out something and not really show anything of the product until the very end so in them ones the music again is just kind of like setting the tone to go with the actors whereas if it's more of a product one without any actors in it the music could be playing a part where it's like really emphasizing the cuts so and the really, shots really, so like really grab. on the music at that stage like yeah yeah, yeah like the, the music does play a really big part in it i'm wanting like one thing that when you get the video, like I said, you'll have to find the music and then cut the entire video to the music. This happens so much that uh, when videographers do stuff, uh, do edits with tracks, they're always trying to cut it to the beat and they're trying to, whatever the flow of the music is, they try to get clips that fit with the flow of the music. And then by the end of the edit, you send it on and people will be like, yeah, I love the entire video. By the way, can we change the music? Thinking that it's just, I'll take out that music, yeah. put something else in. But music plays such a big part that you're not just putting the music in and then creating a video and the music is just there. The music is as much a part of the video in most cases as the actual clips are. So if you try to take out the audio and put something else in, you have to nearly restructure the video in a lot of cases because it's not going to cut in the same beats and where you had that slow bit is now a fast bit with drums. So it, it might not work. Some people don't see that and they just think, oh, it's easy to just change out the music. But the music is nearly as important. And I think even if you take out a piece of 
the the visual, you know, the draft or shoot, you know, keep the same music, but even mm. changing or adapting the the visual is obviously going to throw the whole thing out of whack as well, really, like, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. You, can, you know, it's, it's, basically, it's basically either it's either taking a few minutes away from where you're on the, the, the beat, the, the mood changing, or it's or it's going to add a bit, like you know, so it's probably restructuring the whole thing there. Yeah, that's but, it. Yeah, it's the same. Like it's if you have the edit done and it's it's done to the music, and then someone says, Can you take that clip out or whatever? You can nearly put a different clip in, but it will fit timing-wise, or yeah. if they ask to fit more clips in, a lot of times you can work around and it's not too bad, but there are some specific like some tracks that are like they're cutting specifically on beats so if you change the entire music after an entire edit it just totally ruins the flow of everything brilliant well i think look for anyone listening i suppose i hope they they, they got a lot from that no dev no dev i i, I think like for me um the creative is the differentiator right if everyone is using Facebook ads in relatively the same way, Instagram, uh, Instagram ads in the same way, yeah. Google, all the all this, everyone has access to all of these tactics and tools, right? So there's no competitive advantage to be derived from them. Yeah, you can use them a bit better than other people and you can have data and all that stuff. But in terms of the core, you know, again, I always say to 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 the to either clients or to students, um, we live in an, att- an attention economy. And therefore, if you're talking about brand strategy, brand means different. Mm. And the core differentiator now is the creative. And I think for people to understand the creative process, the ups of it, the downs of it, the importance of, like we mentioned, music, the importance of understanding a certain style. Um, and then just in terms of like the project management kind of side of it, you know what I mean? Like, I mean, even simple things like working with the people who can deliver specifically for your organization is so, so, um, so critically important. So no, I think, um, I think people have gotten a lot of that. Perfect. I think if anyone wants to find you, Ray, you can find you on Instagram, the usual. Uh, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, uh, every one of them is Ray Kyo Media. Perfect. We'll throw it into the links anyway. But look, really, really appreciate that. Hopefully everyone that's listening has definitely gotten something. Um, And thanks very much for listening. Yeah, that was brilliant, Ray. Cheers. Thanks very much. No problem. Thanks for having me on, guys.